Jeremiah 29, 1-14. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother the eunuchs, the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and all the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. It said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Verse 7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me, and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Daniel seven thirteen and 14. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancients of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. How do we live faithfully in a faithless world? It's a question that God's people have been asking for generations. When we live in a godless, faithless world, a world without faith, how do we as God's people live faithfully? In the Old Testament, in the passage that David just read, the people of God found themselves in exile. 
they thought they were caught between two opposite paths. One is to avoid the city and the culture that you live in. You can think of that as being a separatist. To be in a, a faithless world as a person of faith means we need to avoid it at all costs. We need to separate ourselves. We need to go monk. We need to put up walls around us and kind of put our head in the sand and say, let's just focus on ourselves, put our heads down and just kind of get through it. The opposite view is not to be a separatist, but to be a syncretist. A secretist says, well, in a faithless culture as the people of God, maybe there's something we can learn from our culture. Maybe there's something that our culture, even if it is godless, has, has to teach us. If we just, rather than avoid culture, maybe we could assimilate into it. And being influenced by the culture around us, maybe, maybe then people would think that Christians aren't that weird after all. And, and maybe they would respect us. Maybe they would see us as being relevant. Two different options. Avoid the city that you live in or assimilate into the city that you live in. But what we see in the Old Testament is that God gave his people a radically different vision of life. Not to avoid the city, not to assimilate into the city, but a third way to live faithfully in the city for its redemption. This morning, we are starting a new sermon series through the book of Daniel. And you might ask, well, why would we study the book of Daniel? Well, I want to give you just several reasons. These aren't all the reasons, but let me just give you a few. The first is this. At Park City's Presbyterian Church, we believe in preaching and teaching the whole counsel of God. What that means is we believe the story of Jesus begins in Genesis and ends in Revelation. And so as New Testament Christians, we need to read the Old Testament every now and again. We need to be reminded that God was faithful in the past because it encourages us and reminds us that he's faithful in the present. The other reason why we we're going to read the book of Daniel is it tells the story of the exile of the people of God. The people of God found themselves held captive in the city that they lived in, a city called Babylon. They were in an exile. And I think as we go through this series together, you'll begin to see that we have a lot more in common with the people of God 2,600 years ago than you might realize. But the most important reason why we're going to study the book of Daniel together is because we're trying to answer the question, what does it look like to be faithful in a faithless culture? And what we're going to see is that the main character of the book of Daniel is not Daniel. Ultimately, Daniel isn't about Daniel's faithfulness, and it's certainly not about ours. But what we will see is that God is faithful. He was faithful in the past. He is faithful in our present, and he will be faithful to the end. And so this morning, we're looking at Jeremiah 29 to set the stage for the book of Daniel. Because in Jeremiah 29, we are told 
about the exile of God's people. What I want you to see is that even in exile, God is faithful. He was faithful, he is faithful, and he will be faithful when he comes again. So the first thing I want you to know, I want you to know that we live in exile. I want you to look with me at Jeremiah 29, verse 1. It says, these are the words that the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, to the prophets and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Okay, so what you need to know is that this is the context. It sets the stage, not just for Jeremiah 29, but for the entire book of Daniel. The book of Daniel was written at a time when the people of God were in exile. They had been deported from Jerusalem to the city of Babylon. We're told here, Jeremiah 29.1, that it was King Nebuchadnezzar who conquered the people of God. He conquered Judah and sent them to exile. This is Daniel 1, verse 1. Daniel begins, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, so here's what you have to know. King Nebuchadnezzar is known as Nebuchadnezzar the Great. He, at the time, was the greatest ruler in the entire world. He was the emperor of the Babylonian empire, and he was conquering lands all over. And beginning around 605 BC, he began to war against the people of God, the people of Judah. And as early as 605 BC, he began to deport them to Babylon. And then in 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar lay siege to Jerusalem. He conquered Jerusalem, and then he desecrated the temple, and then he deported all of God's people all the way to Babylon. And I want you to think about that for just a second. I want you to put yourself in their shoes. Can you imagine what it would be like for a foreign government to come and conquer your city? But they didn't stop there. Then they destroyed and desecrated your temple, your place of worship. But they didn't stop there. They then captured you and deported you and put you into exile in their empire, the capital city of their empire. What must that have, that have been like for them? Can you imagine what their prayers would have, what that have been like? What do you think the people of God were praying then? How do you think they viewed God? Do you think they still trusted him? What do you think their worship was like after the temple was completely destroyed? What questions do you think they were asking when they were on their way from Jerusalem to Babylon? Because here's what you need to know about Babylon. Babylon was the capital city of the Babylonian Empire. At the center of the city was a temple dedicated to the god Marduk, the chief god of the Babylonians. There were temples all over Babylon idols and shrines. It was a city filled with idolatry, worship of false gods. It was also a city of excess, a city of prosperity, a city of abundance and decadence. 
Babylon was the home of one of the ancient seven wonders of the world. We've heard of the hanging gardens of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar had them built as a gift for his wife. So here are the people of God. They are now in exile in a foreign city that is godless, that is decadent, and that is now warring against them and their identity. How do you think they must have felt? And what does that have to do with us? We see more and more in the West, we feel like we live in Babylon. We are beginning to feel as if our own city is being besieged. Do you feel that way? Do you feel as though we're in exile? That we don't recognize the place that we live much anymore. That we feel like our culture all around us is beginning to go against us. That never, we're not anymore a, a, a Christian majority. We're a Christian minority. And we feel perhaps more than ever in the West this truth that we are exiles. We are sojourners. We are refugees in our own city, in our own nation. And what I want you to know this morning is that we are in good company. Peter says this, 1 Peter verse, or 2, verse 11, he says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Writing to this brand new church in 1 Peter, calling them sojourners and exiles, because this is nothing new. All around us, there's division, even di division within us. There is disease and a global pandemic. The darkness of sin all around us. There is confusion. There is noise of input. There are, is outrage at every turn. The rise of secularism. People questioning truth and questioning God himself. And what I want you to know is none of these things are new. Not one. There have been many pandemics that have gone before us. Darkness division. Kingdoms have been raised up and they've fallen. And this cycle has gone on for generations and generations. None of this is new. It's just new to us. I'll never forget my brother-in-law. First baby he ever held was my oldest daughter. And so there in the hospital room, you got to give him credit here. I mean, listen, he was a single man. And so he hadn't been around babies much. And so there he was holding our daughter and she began to cry. And I'll forget what he said. He said, that must be the worst thing that she's ever experienced in her life. And I looked at him and I thought, man, that is so true. Like she's only been here for 18 hours. And, and whatever gust of air from a cold hospital room or whatever fold of skin that got pinched, that caused her to cry. Whatever that thing was, really was the worst thing that she'd ever experienced in her entire life. And so her, her reaction to cry is completely appropriate. You see, I think that's kind of our experience now. None of this is new. It's new to us. And so we feel it. And it hurts and it fills us with pain and fear. But it is not new to the people of God. 
and it's not new to him. We are exiles, and this is not our home. For some of you, you hear that, and it's really a warning. It kind of stings, because the truth is you've assimilated into the city of your exile. You want so bad for this to be your home, and you've tried to build up your own empire here right now, but this is not our home. There is something far greater that awaits us in the kingdom of God. For others of you, that is a promise. This is not our home. And you feel that every single day. You feel the pain of suffering. So many of us have lost loved ones in the last couple years. It hurts and we mourn. We feel the pain of addiction, the pain of sin that continues to rear its ugly head Darkness all around us and division in a world that seems to be just breaking apart. This world is not our home. There is a promise of a greater homeland that is to come. Writer of Hebrews put it this way, Hebrews 11 verse 13. He's talking about the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. And he says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Friends, we are awaiting a city that is to come, a new city that John tells us in the book of Revelation where there will be no more mourning, no more death, no more crying, no more pain, where all things will be made new. And until that day comes, we're called to live as exiles in this world, in our culture, and in our city. And so what does that look like? How should we live as exiles? The second thing I want you to know, I want you to know that we are called to be faithful. We're called to be faithful. I want you to look at verse four. Jeremiah continues, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now I want you to notice something here. Look with me at verse four. Who was it that sent the people of God into exile. Who was it? Was it Nebuchadnezzar? Was it the Babylonian army? No, it was God. God is the one who sent his people into exile and he used a pagan king to do it. I want you to know that whatever you face, whatever you are afraid of, Whatever it is that this world is screaming at you, I want you to know that God is in control. <laughs> he is never not in control. One of the great themes of the Bible, one of the great themes of Jeremiah, one of the great themes of Daniel is that God is sovereign. He is the sovereign God of the universe and kingdoms rise and fall according to his good pleasure. God is in charge. And he is so sovereign, so much in control that he used a totalitarian pagan king to lead his people into exile. Why? Because of judgment and because of mercy. 
You see, the people of God had begun to abandon him. They had become idolatrous. And so he delivered them into the hands of their enemies as judgment. But what we'll also see is that he did it out of mercy, that he sent his people into exile in order to bring them back to himself. God is the one that sent them into exile, and so how should they live as exiles in a faithless city? God called them to be faithful. How should they be faithful? I think Jeremiah gives us two ways. The first way they're called to be faithful is to be fruitful. I want you to look with me verse 5. Through Jeremiah, God says, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. In other words, don't give up. It might be tempting to give up in the midst of exile, to say, well, if this isn't our home, if we have a greater homeland that is to come, then let's just get through this. Like, why go on living? Why even try? Let's just be fatalistic. Just put our heads down and say, let's just bear it. But no, God says, be faithful. Be fruitful. Do what I've called you to do from the very beginning. You see, because these words echo his words in Genesis chapter 1. When he told Adam and Eve and all of humanity, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. In other words, what are we supposed to do as God's people in the midst of exile? We're called to do what we've always been called to do, to be faithful, to be fruitful. He says, build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat produce, get married, have children. In other words, go on pursuing human flourishing, even in the midst of your exile. But not only are they called to be fruitful, God's called them to be faithful in a second way. I want you to look with me. Verse 7. How are they called to be faithful? Well, they are called to seek the welfare of the city. Look with me. Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. In the midst of your exile, being surrounded by a faithless culture, how should you live? God says, be faithful, be fruitful, build houses, plant roots, and then seek the welfare of the city. Not just any city. Seek the welfare of the city where you have been sent into exile. You see, in the midst of exile, you might be tempted to give up. You also might be tempted to go to war, to fight, to be against the city that you live in. But here, God says, no, seek its welfare. Pray for the city. You can hear Jesus saying, love your enemies. Or I think of the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, where he says, overcome evil with good. In the midst of our exile here in Dallas, God has called us to be faithful, to be fruitful, to pursue flourishing, to plant deep roots, but then to seek the welfare of the city, to see the kingdom of Jesus come to Dallas as it is in heaven. So how do we do that? How can we as God's people be faithful in a faithless world? 
The only way we can do that is the third thing I want you to know. I want you to know that God is faithful and he will call us home. I want you to look with me, Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, this is what I call a coffee mug verse. If you've ever grown up around the church, odds are you've probably heard this verse before, that that God has plans for your welfare, to give you a future and a hope. And when we read this verse out of context, I believe it becomes incredibly dangerous for us. Because we tend to read this verse thinking that it's just about us. We see the word you here and we think it's a singular you. It's not, by the way, it's plural. So we think it's just about us when we think about its plans for our welfare here and now. Because the parts of us that have assimilated into the culture around us that wants to plant roots here to stay and not for a greater homeland, the parts of us that want to just push away anything that would say that we can't build an empire here and now, that part of us Reads this verse, we think God wants our prosperity here and now. And that's incredibly dangerous, not simply because it's not true, because it fails to see just how much better God's promises are than your vision and my vision of prosperity. See, the context here is exile. It's not a singular you, it's a plural you. In the midst of their exile, God is telling his people, I have plans for you. Even in your exile, even in judgment, I have plans for you, plans for your future and for a hope. And he goes on, verse 12, you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all of your heart, verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And listen to this. I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. What are God's plans for us? What are his plans for a future and a hope? His plan is to bring us out of exile. Do you hear that? His plan for your future and your hope is to bring you out of exile and lead you back home. And that promise was fulfilled for the people of Israel 70 years later. For 70 years they were in exile. 70 years they lived under Babylonian rule. We're going to read about that in the book of Daniel. And we'll see during those 70 years God was faithful. He never left his people He was with Daniel. He was with Daniel's three friends. When we see that God was faithful, we're reminded that he is faithful now. And we'll see that he will be faithful to the end. God's faithfulness never leaves us, even in exile. 70 years later, this promise became true. But I want you to know that this promise is also for us. That he will lead us out of exile and call us back home. You see, because there's a greater exile, a far more deeper exile, a more painful one that is the ultimate reason for all of the heartache, 
all of the sin, all of the division and destruction and war, everything that you and I experience every day that tells us that this is not our home, that it has fallen, a greater exile underneath all of that. And we read about that exile in Genesis. In Genesis, this is what it says, Genesis 3. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now, let, lest he reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. And at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Because Adam and Eve sinned, they were exiled by God from the garden. They and all of humanity with them. And today you and I experience that exile every single day. Who can deliver us from an exile like that? Who can deliver us from an exile from the garden itself? The book of Daniel gives him a title. He is the son of man. Daniel tells us in the heart of the book of Daniel that there will be one presented to the ancient of days, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, God himself. He will be called the son of man. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the one who's the little rock in Daniel chapter two that tears down every human kingdom whose kingdom will last forever. He is the one who will stand in the midst of the fire with Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The one who closed the mouths of the lions. The one who Daniel foresees will come to establish his kingdom once and for all. And the one who will one day come again to lead us out of exile and call us home. Until that day comes, the Son of Man, the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, has called us as exiles to be faithful, be fruitful, plant roots, and seek the welfare of the city, and look to the faithful one. Because as surely as he was faithful to Daniel, to Jeremiah and the people of God in the past, he is faithful now and he will be faithful to the end when the son of man comes again in the clouds to make all things new. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask that you would give us a vision of your faithfulness. Help us to be honest about our exile to be honest about this world that we live in and help us to see that it's not our home. And so would you make us homeward bound? Would you set our eyes on a greater homeland, the city that is to come? But until you come again to draw us home, help us to be faithful. Help us to seek the welfare of the city that you have placed us into exile and help us by faith to look to your faithfulness to lead us in and through all things until Jesus, you come again. Strengthen us, we pray. Encourage us and give us the fullness of joy. In Jesus' name, amen.